0: Genius of Creation, Chapter 16, of Noah and the Flood, Genesis, Chapter 6. Of Noah, the tenth from Adam, his father Lamech said, This same shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands, because of the ground which the Lord hath cursed. Genesis 5, verse 29. Noah's name is a play on this statement, because his name means rest or comfort. An evident contrast to the vengeful boast of Lamech in Genesis chapter 4. Methuselah was still alive after Noah was born, so Lamech, Noah's father, would be well aware of the words of his grandfather Enoch, who prophesied of coming judgment, as we have mentioned before. This was the son who would save a remnant of mankind to begin again and repopulate the earth after its cleansing by the flood. That repopulation came through Noah's sons Shem, Ham and Japheth and their wives who were born up to 100 years before the flood. Noah was 600 years old when the flood came and lived on until he was 950 years old when he died. Who can tell the distress and sadness of those years, as Noah saw the same godless wickedness developing through his growing family that he had suffered from for six hundred years prior to the flood. Noah was a preacher of righteousness who was ignored and mocked before the flood, and then experienced the same rejection after it, The consolation is that His reward is certain when our Lord comes again. Digression Comfort and Consolation The words comfort and consolation are a translation of the Hebrew Nachem, which is used in a number of places in the Old Testament. For example, in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort, nachem, me. On reviewing the use of this Hebrew word in the Old Testament, it soon becomes obvious that the Lord, Yahweh, is the comforter. Psalm 71 says, Thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort, nachem, me on every side, verse 21. Isaiah says, O Lord, I will praise thee, thou comfortest, Nachem, me. And again, I, even I, am he that comforteth, Nachem, you. Isaiah 12, verse 1 and 51, verse 12. The Septuagint version is the ancient translation of the Hebrew scriptures into Greek. In that version, the Hebrew Nachem is always translated by the Greek word Paracletos, comfort or comforter. In the New Testament, both the Lord and Jesus Christ are the comforter. For example, we read of Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation, the Paracletos of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Spirit, that he should not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ anointed. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Luke 2, verse 25 to 32. Thirty-three years later, the Lord Jesus promised his disciples another comforter, whom he described as: If a man love me, He will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. And then, in a more literal rendering of the Greek, But the Comforter, the Holy Spirit that the Father will send in my name, shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. John fourteen verse 16, 23, and twenty six. So the writers of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, did not rely on fallible human memory, but were guided by the Holy Spirit to write only that which is true. I might also add that the generally accepted times of writing the Gospels, which involve a delay of something like thirty to fifty years, Is entirely without foundation. By that time most of the writers were dead. The reason many church scholars propose such a time lag is because they do not believe the mention of the coming destruction of Jerusalem in the Gospels which occurred in AD 70 could have been prophesied before it occurred. Therefore the Gospels in their minds must have been written after Jerusalem fell into the hands of the Romans. But given the great need of the believers for a written record to confirm their belief, and as a warning of the coming judgment on Judea and Jerusalem, the Gospels would have been written at quite an early date. The Apostle Paul, writing under inspiration, extends the concept of the Comforter, being the omnipresent Spirit of God and His Son with the faithful. He includes the loving actions done by the faithful in God's name to those in need. He writes, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, Paraclesis, who comforteth Parakaleo, Comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort, Paracalio again, them which are in any trouble, by the comfort, Paraclesis, wherewith we ourselves are comforted, Paracalio, of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation, Paraclesis, also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation, Paraclesis, and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, parakaleo, it is for your consolation, Paraclesis, and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation, this from the second of Corinthians chapter 1 verses 3 to 7 this divinely provided comfort keeps a brother or sister in Christ on their feet when otherwise we would fall be assured that God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. And then he says in Hebrews 4, verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly, confidently, unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The Sons of God and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose. Genesis 6 verse 1 and 2. Although angels are termed sons of God in Job 38 verse 7 the sons of God in Genesis 6 cannot be the angels for these marry which angels do not do. Luke 20, verse 34 to 36. Nor are angels, being spirits, subject to temptation, for it is written, Who maketh his angels spirits, his ministers a flame of fire. Psalm 104, verse 4. The Lord is a Father to those who are his servants. Consequently, his servants become sons of God by adoption and can pray, Our Father which art in heaven. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received a spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. For the Spirit itself witnesses with our spirit that we are the children of God. Romans 8 verse 14 to 16 and Galatians 4 verse 4 to 7. The Apostle John says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. 1 John 3, verse 1 to 3 Now this is privilege indeed, a greater honour than to be told that we are descended from apes, and like them have no future. In Hebrew the phrase sons of God equates by Gematria to 153. Where else do we read that number in Scripture? In John's Gospel, where 153 great fish were caught up in the net cast at the risen Lord's prompting, John 21, verse 11. This symbolic number in the eighth sign of John's Gospel prefigures the redeemed at Christ's coming. Similarly, though not so obvious, in verse 3 the phrase, For that he also adds up to 345. The Hebrew letters of Moses' name also add up to 345. So, the connection is that Moses then wrote of man, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. This is the same age that Moses died. The Bible is full of these fascinating connections which are not accidental. But the stamp of divine inspiration. Nor should we imagine that the sons of God were Seth's line and the daughters of men Cain's line. Corruption of God's way had spread through all the population of the earth, so the term sons of God relates to both male and female servants of the Lord. In the same way the term daughters of men relates to both male and female ungodly persons. The trouble was that through intermarriage of these two groups, the truth of God was lost except for a very, very few who observed the advanced age of Methuselah and waited to see what would happen at his death. Marriage between a believer and an unbeliever cannot result in two being truly one flesh unless and until the unbelieving partner is converted. For 120 years now preached of coming judgment while he completed building the ark of salvation. Genesis 3, verse 6. That 120 years delay of judgment is another testimony to the mercy of our Creator in giving every opportunity for sinful man to repent and be saved from the consequences of his sin. If we understand this reason for delay, then we should certainly take the opportunity that is offered us before it is too late. For divine judgment, richly deserved, is almost upon us. Noah has this testimony that he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. This is all the more remarkable when we read that at that time, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them from the earth. Genesis 6, verse 5 to 13. The ark was a large vessel, even by today's standards of ship building. It was 450 feet, 135 meters long, 75 feet, 22.5 meters beam, and had three stories, giving a height of 45 feet, 16.5 meters. Some have said that it is impossible to build a wooden vessel of such a size. More recently, the ancient method of construction of wooden ships has been rediscovered from wrecks. Timbers were shaped with interlocking joints held in place by wooden dowels through each joint that swell when wet so that movement is impossible. We now know that the ark would well be able to withstand the stresses it would face during the flood. A full-size copy has been made in recent times by John Hubers in the Netherlands. Another has been built in Kentucky. Pictures of these can be seen on the web they give a better appreciation of the enormous size of the vessel Noah built. When Noah and his wife, his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, with their wives, had entered the ark with representatives of the animals and birds, God shut the door. The rain began and continued for forty days and forty nights. The same day were all the fountains of the great deep, Broken up, we read in Genesis 7. Violent undersea earthquakes caused enormous tsunamis that inundated all the land, even to the tops of the mountains. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beast, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of lives, of all that was in the dry land, died. Genesis 7 verse 22 So what had begun so well when man was made some 1656 years before had gone full cycle and come to a desperately sad end with the earth formless and void. The waters covered the deep once more, except for one lone ark containing a family of eight persons and representatives of the animals and birds. The fault was not the Creator's, it was man's fault alone. Every effort the Lord had made to offer life and recover His creation had been rejected by man. The later history of God's people Israel also remains an abiding lesson to us that God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Galatians 6 verses 7 to 8 Does this mean that Israel has been cast off by the God of Israel forever? Is the church's teaching of replacement theology correct? That is, that the church has replaced Israel so that God's promises to Israel Israel will not now inherit. His promises are inherited by the church. Against this presumptuous and self-righteous doctrine the prophet Isaiah says to Israel For a small moment have I forsaken thee but with great mercies will I gather thee In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. This is as the waters of Noah unto me, for as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so I have sworn that I would not be wroth with thee nor rebuke thee. For the mountains shall depart and the hills shall be removed, But my kindness shall not depart from thee, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy on thee. Isaiah 54, verses 7 to 10 How does our world compare? But what of our own times? What of our world today? Is it not similarly corrupt and filled with violence? for all flesh has corrupted his way again. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel and Job, were in it, the land, they should deliver but their own souls, their lives, by their righteousness, saith the Lord God, in Ezekiel 14. We can only be delivered by our own righteousness in Christ Jesus. We cannot be delivered by another's righteousness, Not even the righteousness of Jesus Christ will save us if we do not live as becomes the gospel. As John Thomas wrote, If a saint have no righteousness of his own, Jesus Christ will refuse to be righteousness for him at the judgment. This he wrote in his work Anastasis. Thankfully God is gracious. He is ready to forgive. When a righteous man errs, and all do he shall pray unto God and he will be favorable unto him and he shall see his face with joy for he will restore the King James Version render unto man his righteousness we read this in Job 33 verse 26 has not the Lord straitly warned us by referring to those who perished at the time of the flood And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage. That is, the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. Until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Luke 17, verse 26 to 27. These words are also found in Matthew, with a powerful addition that, despite Noah's preaching, the people knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. In Matthew 24, verse 35 to 39. All flesh had corrupted his way. The anarchy that prevailed on earth before the flood because of the corruption of God's way is familiar to us. The same corruption and anarchy is seen all around us. Worse, it is being justified, sometimes in the name of science, as it is written, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but to the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 16 verse 25 The trouble is that the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Proverbs 12 verse 15 And then Psalm 1 verse 5 and 6 Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. This contrast between the way of the wicked and God's way is an oft-repeated theme running throughout the Bible. We read of the way of the world, the wicked in his way, the way of death, etc. And we read of the way of holiness, the way of life, etc. The humble of heart that are capable of belief, when the Lord Jesus Christ sets up his kingdom in Zion, will say, he will teach us of His ways, and we will walk in His paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. O house of Jacob, come ye, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Isaiah 2 verse 3 and verse 5 If any turn aside from the way in that coming day, the Lord says, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand, and when ye turn to the left. Isaiah 30 verse 21 When the first human pair were driven out of the garden, we are told that the way of the tree of lives was preserved. We can be so thankful to our Creator that that way is still preserved, though so few know of it. By preserved, I do not mean that the actual tree of lives is still there with fruit waiting to be eaten. That way was symbolic of a better provision that the Father would make through His Son. When some found that the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ was at times difficult to understand, and therefore accept, they turned away from Him. Seeing this, the Lord turned to His disciples and said, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. John 6, verse 67 to 69. Three and a half years of Jesus' ministry soon passed. In his final talk to his disciples, he brought out the full truth of the way when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. John 14 verse 6 Through his prophet Jeremiah, the Lord gave us a motivating promise. Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people. And walk ye in all the ways I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. Jeremiah 7 verse 23 In Peter's confession, we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God, is an essential truth that, like so many essential ideas of Scripture, began in the garden planted eastward in Eden in the beginning. And so we come to the final Amen that ends the Bible and closes the creative acts that began in the first book of Genesis with the words, In the beginning, God. In the genius of creation, we have seen the love of God in preparing such a wonderful world for man's enjoyment. In Genesis 3, the first sin, we have seen the overriding mercy of the Lord. In Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel, we have seen that the Lord's mercy cannot be presumed upon. In Genesis 5, Enoch, we have seen the grounds of our acceptance with God who is willing to save. In the events leading up to the flood in Genesis 6, we see that the Lord's loving kindness has limits. He is not to be trifled with. He will judge the world in righteousness. He will preserve a faithful remnant for his glory. We determine for ourselves where we fit into the picture. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap, says the Apostle Paul in Galatians 6, verse 7. And so the Bible ends with the word, Amen. And so the Bible, the word of God, finishes with the wonderful thoughts, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter through the gates into the city. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the tree of life, and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth of these things saith, Surely I come quickly or suddenly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.